Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Table Manners. I'm Jessie Ware and I'm here on Zoom with my mum. Hi, mum. Hi, darling. This could be the biggest Table Manners guest we've ever had in our life. Definitely. The smallest, the most petite, probably. Mm, I don't know. Do you think Kylie would give a run for her money? I think she's quite small in stature. But big in love and philanthropy and music and country and... And heart. And heart. I wonder if she can line dance. Maybe. Do you think they'd do that where she came from? I don't know, Mum. I don't know. You can ask her all these questions. Do you think she wears a hat, a cowboy hat and boots? No, I don't. When she's at home? No, Mum. She does. I've seen her with those tasseled things, darling, on her sleeves. Don't think so. But we have Dolly Parton on Table Manners, tuning in from who knows where, but celebrating her Christmas record. A Holly Dolly Christmas is out already. It's October. She knows that we need a little bit of Christmas cheer. And we're going to talk to her and talk to her about food and Christmas and being able to get cosy with Michael Bublé on the track. That sounds like heaven to me. Darling, do you think she's one of those people that puts her Christmas tree up in November who really loves Christmas? Well, she puts a Christmas album out in October, so probably. (laughs) Um, We've got Dolly Parton coming up on Table Manners. I'm not going to lie... I'm a bit nervous. Why? Because I don't want to mess this one up. Well, just don't talk, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Let her do the talking. Okay, I will. I mean, there's so much to talk to her about and so little time, but we will try and cram it all in. (gasps) Shit, shit, shit. Okay, here we go. Hello. Dolly, can you hear us? She's not connected yet. Working on it. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Well, hi there. Hi, Dolly. How are you? I am good. I understand we're going to be sitting around the table talking. Yeah, <laughs> talking about food and Christmas. Okay. How are you? You're with a you buy a Christmas tree. Well, of course I am because I'm doing a whole lot of promotion for my Christmas album and a whole bunch of other stuff I got going on. But you can't see that, right? You're on a podcast, right? You're just on radio. But we can paint the picture, Dolly. You know, there's a Christmas tree, there's a wreath. Dolly is in a beautiful red outfit, and I, I feel like it's Christmas Eve, and I've got the best present of all. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy sitting here on Christmas Eve by my fireplace, 
with my Christmas tree and my wreath and all that. So I am in the Christmas spirit. How about you? Well, you know what? For October the second or third, I'm feeling pretty jubilant. I'm well up for it. I, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> thankful that you have given Christmas Christmas to us so early. Thank you. We need some Christmas. <laughs> I wish I'd recorded that in my new album. We need a little Christmas, but uh, I didn't. But we certainly do, and I've got it. I started it early on in the summer, so I've been doing Christmas since July. Oh wow! So what you so you started recording the record in July? Yeah, you usually have to start early in order to get things done. And we also decorate we decorate the studios and everything to where we feel like we're in the Christmas spirit. So where are you right now, Dolly? I am in Nashville. I'm at one of our studios that we uh, do our work in. So we kind of work in a small circle in our own little personal private areas. And we try to do our social distancing and try to be smart and all that. So I'm sitting here right in the middle of Nashville. Did you actually get to get cozy with Michael or did it have to be kind of socially distanced cozying up with Michael Buble? Well, I wanted to cozy up and <laughs> Don't cuddle. We all, I wanted to cuddle down and cozy up with him, but I couldn't very well do that. Not this year, anyway. So maybe next year I'll get to do a Christmas special of the same album, and then maybe I'll get to cuddle up with him then. But okay. we actually, all the guests that we had on, on we kind of had to do it where they were in their studios, and uh, we had, uh, you know, we had to kind of do it uh, with all the you know, the social distancing and all the stuff that we had to do. But thank God, technology, we've pulled it off. Do you like Christmas, Dolly? Well, I love Christmas, don't everybody? I think that's probably my favorite time of the year. I mean, I enjoy all of it. But Christmas is just so much about the, like you're talking about, the the trees, the glitter, the the glamour, the presents, the streets being all decorated and uh, getting the chance to, to party and to sing and to eat too much and not feel too bad about it till the first of the year. So who does the cooking, Dolly, in your house on Christmas? Well, everybody, my uh, in my house, I like to do a lot of my own cooking. And my sisters and I uh, love to cook the same things that we grew up you know, serving, you know, at Christmas with mom's, a lot of mom's old recipes. But it's, you know, we do the traditional stuff, the turkey and whether it's chicken or turkey and the hams and the stuffings and the mashed potatoes and the and the yams and the pumpkin pies, all the stuff that we eat at Thanksgiving, we eat again at Christmas. So it's kind of like it's a whole continuous thing. But we all love to cook. And my sisters and I make our own special little things. Mine is chicken and dumplings that taste like mama's. So we try to keep mama in Christmas all the time. So was your mama a good cook then? Oh, of course, she had to cook for that big house full of youngins. So mama, everything mama cooked, you know, you'd think there wouldn't be a thing to eat in the house. And mama would just start cooking. And before you know it, there was always something that always was always good. There's a lot of you. There's, you've got a lot of brothers and sisters. There were, was there 12 of you? Yeah, there's 12 of us in all. There's six girls and six boys. I have a sister and two brothers older and they were eight kids younger. But we had a lot of mouths to feed. My sister and I had to, to learn to cook early. So we cook a lot like mama and my aunts and my grandmas. Uh, mama was always having a baby. So when mama was out with a baby, my sister Willie and I had to do the cooking, you know, in those early days. So we know how to do it. You're one of the oldest in the family. Yes. I have a sister and two brothers older than me. And so you had to take a lot of responsibility for the little ones. 
Well, yeah, that was that was just the rule of the house. Every time Mama had a baby, we all had to help take care of it. So she had, I think that's why she kept having kids, just so she'd have somebody help babysit. <laughs> <laughs> but we would, we did it. You know, it was just a natural way of life. We were always excited when we heard Mama was having a new baby, which was all the time. I always make a joke that Mama had one honor on her hip or one inner at all times. Honor ready to inner. Have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we loved them all, and that mom and daddy loved us all. So that was just the way it is. Just horny hillbillies <laughs> up there in the mountains. <laughs> At Christmas, will you all get together with your family? Is that how you normally spend Christmas? Well, we try to get as many of us together as we can at Christmas. A lot of my family still live in East Tennessee, and that's 200 miles east of Nashville. So it's a four or five hour drive up there. But the ones that live in Nashville, we try to get together as much as we can. And then sometime between uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Day, we, we make our trips back and forth to see the ones in East Tennessee. And the ones from East Tennessee that want to get out and drive, well, they usually come down, you know, to my house or, or whatever. So we just kind of do it, you know, different ways now. And we we just love to have Christmas. We just get together as much as we can, as many of us as we can. and uh, But through the course of the holidays, we try to connect with everybody. And Dolly, am I right in thinking your, your brother is on this um, Holly Dolly Christmas album? doing a duet with you. Yeah. Talking about all those kids and us growing up in the mountains, uh, we used to always want one of those walking, talking dolls that we used to see in the in the catalogs that used to come to our house, the wish book, yeah. Daddy called it. We were just wishing for it. We weren't going to get it. But anyway, we used to see these walking, talking dolls that you put water in a little bottle and it would pee and it would have t- real tears and all that. And then sometimes they'd walk and talk. And uh, so... We never could have that at that time. And some of our cousins living in the city, they did. So my brother Randy was born around Christmas. So mom said, come over here. You got to see your own walking, talking doll. He really pees real pee and, and cries real tears and all that. So he was our Christmas baby. So I wrote a song in this album called You Are My Christmas. And Aww. I wrote it for my brother Randy. So he's singing with me on it and his daughter, my niece Heidi, singing that third part harmony and so it's real real special you know to me that that particular song with them oh that's so lovely dolly i'm a singer when i'm not talking to you on zoom and and doing a podcast i'm actually a singer and so i love to know how you tour and whether you have anything particular on your rider that i should be putting on my rider because mine is very boring (laughs) well actually uh, i love to to travel I really kind of missed touring during this mm. time because we all kind of took off. But I, I spend a lot of time on my bus, and I take a lot of the things I like with me, the things mm. I like to eat. But in the dressing room, I usually just they usually just put fruits and crackers and cheeses and uh, like water. I don't drink the sparkling water if I'm singing. I like the flat water. And I have tea, and we have coffees, and you know I, I, I like potato chips. It's always ask for those kind of junky things mostly but when we do tour we have a caterer that usually prepares a a dinner for us after our our rehearsal so anyway we have everything we need and what we don't get there I have on my bus I wanted to know because I watched the documentary on Netflix and I saw that you did you you did 50 it was your 50th anniversary at the Grand Old Opry at which I I, you know I 
I've heard about, I haven't ever been to, but this is a huge, huge deal in country music and you were doing. And I wanted to know whether there was a particular like a culinary celebration after that gig when you did it. Was there somewhere that you'd go? And is there anywhere that you recommend in Nashville that you like you can get the best? I know that you like pork. You love a pork chop, is it? I do. Well, I like uh, pork is my favorite meat, of course. One of the places we go all the time, and they, they love that I'm giving them an advertisement. It's called Arnold's, and they make the best stuff. So we love their food, and they, they do the best food of, of anything. And of course, everybody loves Cracker Barrel. You know, everybody goes to that. They have country food, but they're just always, you can always find good food in Tennessee for good barbecue and for all meat and threes. And so I still cook a lot of that kind of stuff myself. So, uh, but at least I know where to go. So if you come to Nashville, you won't have any trouble finding a good place to eat. God, I love that place. It's so brilliant. I watched a chef's table on this um, very famous chef called Sean. I can't remember his surname, but he has this very famous uh, restaurant called Husk, where he's kind of brought Southern food back and he's really celebrating the foraging kind of real authentic southern cuisine and kind of it looks fantastic and I I wanted to know whether you did you used to forage in the mountains like would you go and pick in the mountains and go and f- find things to eat in the mountains well when you grow up in the mountains like we did uh, we lived on a farm so we grew uh, you know a lot of our own vegetables and uh, we raised our own uh, you know our own pigs and we you know, we, we did all that in, in those days. So mama just knew how to put anything together. But we also did a lot of wild uh, foods like uh, rabbit hunting and uh, squirrels and all the things. A lot of people say, oh, you eat squirrels, you eat rabbit. Some of the best eating in the world if you know how to fix it. And when you live in the mountains, you learn to eat and fix everything that's mm. edible. And even the greens, uh, you know, that grow in the fields, you know, the wild stuff that's, uh, that makes really tasty things, like whether it's like watercress or whether it's something we call poke salad. It's like uh, the poke bush, P-O-L-K, I guess we call it poke, poke salad. But anyway, it's a wild green that grows. So uh, there's a lot of wonderful things that you, you know, can cook from, from the mountains and that grow, you know, that run wild in the woods and and the stuff you grow domestic you know, on your farm, around your barn in your in your barnyard. I wanted to know, watching that documentary and, um, Jane Fonda talking about how you all got to know each other on nine to five um, when you were kind of uh, you were making this film together and you do these sleepovers she said and you do these sleepovers and you talk and you'd get to know each other and I wanted to know what were you ordering on room service I need to know these things well I would imagine whatever was good I guess we we ordered a lot of I guess club sandwiches and soups that sort of thing but if you you know I stayed at a really nice um hotel there the Balage hotel when I was living there and they had the best things on the menu whether it be like uh uh like I I love liver and onions but that seems to be a delicacy too in the city and so we would I would order that kind of stuff anything that I could order was close to country they had also like great steaks and and great fish and Jane you know she used to eat a little better than I did because she was working out at the time so I'm sure she and Lily were eating better and more like a baked fish and baked chicken. I was getting chicken with gravy or whatever I could get that, you know, had some something on it that was a little more tasty to me. But anyhow, we would just order whatever we felt like if we were, when we would chat and talk. And pizza is always great, you know, to order. Always. We'd probably order that, that in. I can't believe that you eat junk food. You're wearing leather trousers. Ah! 
Well, I'm glad I, I wouldn't be sitting like this if I was on camera. <laughs> oh, no, but they're gorgeous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Uh, I really have to watch what I eat because my I have that country girl's appetite. I can't eat everything I'd like to all the time, nor in the, in the amount that I'd like to. I had to learn pretty early on. I had to pull back from some of that. But that doesn't mean that I don't still like that and that I don't still eat it. I do try to, to eat as much good food as I can. And then when I have a big project coming up, I just have to go on a diet because I love carbs. And then I have to go on a low carb diet to kind of get where I'm, where I need to go. Cause I have a tendency to gain weight and I'm a very small person, you know? I'm, yeah. I wondered how small you are. How, how, how tall? I'm only five one, uh, without my five shoes one, and, you're and my hair, but I'm six, seven with all that. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I just kind of have to watch it to not let it get too out of hand because I've been fat and I've been skinny and I may be that again. So I just have to keep an eye on it because I do love to eat. I love to cook. I love restaurants. Everything about food I love. And don't we all love our kitchen? Yeah. Like you, don't we just live in it? (laughs) But Dolly, you have one of the best quotes about food. I mean, it's an iconic quote. It was like my 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 true loves. You say it because you're going to say it better than me. I guess I guess somebody <laughs> said my my weaknesses have always been men, sex, and uh, food, and not necessarily in that order. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Something to that on that order. <laughs> You've got one of the longest marriages in history. I do. Um, my husband and I have been together for 57 years, been married 54. Congratulations. And I'm sick of him, and I'm sure he's sick of me. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> Does he come from a big family too? No, he has one brother and one sister. So he's had to kind of get used to my big family because I've always had my family around me. The partons are overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, he loves them all and they love him. So, but no, he's he's from a very small family. Um, Dolly, what would be, you're about to go, you're about to go to a desert island and your final meal before you're about to go and you're not going to eat this food for a very long time. You've got a starter, a main and a dessert and a drink of choice. What would it be? I would probably have a big carb dinner for sure. I'd probably have some of my own chicken and dumplings, which I love. I'd mm. probably have a side order of mashed potatoes, which I love. I'd probably have a big old bowl of coleslaw and a big old piece of either cornbread or a big old biscuit with that. And then for dessert, I would probably have something either like a pumpkin pie or some homemade something. I love, there's a, a rhubarb pie. Are you familiar with that? And you never can find it anywhere, but Mama used to make it. And uh, there's a there's a pie place here called Marie Callender's that has it. And so anyway, if I had my choice and I had to get my hands on a piece of rhubarb or mm. the whole pie before I went to that island, I guess I'd, I'd, that's probably what I'd have. Uh, we used to grow rhubarb, and that's why we always had it. So I don't, we don't grow that anymore. We don't use that much of a garden you know, around anymore. It's just usually like the herbs and tomatoes and cucumbers and, you know, a few little, you know, things, salad garden. But anyhow, I, but I, anything, I would eat pork. You're talking about me eating pork. I love the chicken and dumplings, but I might want a big slab of, of pork roast too before Have I head it out for the island. <laughs> and then what's the drink of choice? I hear you like red wine. I don't drink much. I, I only drink wine if I'm out to dinner. I never yeah. 
drink at home. Even I don't even drink wine at home, you know, with dinner because I don't usually have guests over. I usually do any drinking I do if I'm going out to some special thing because I'm not much of a drinker. But I do love red wine if I if I go out uh, at, at my choice between red or white. I choose the red. Uh, but I am I really would rather have a big old jug of or a glass of sweet tea. That's a very southern thing. That's not good for you either. But um, anyway, that's probably what I'd have with that meal before I went to that island. I have to say, Dolly, um, I, I watched you at Glastonbury when you performed on the Pyramid stage, and it was the most beautiful concert. I loved it so much, and I think you filled everyone with like joy and uh I mean, I feel like everyone was just hugging each other throughout the concert. It was so gorgeous. And I wondered, like, do you have an affinity with the UK? I mean, did you like the food? I don't know. You were talking about gravies and chickens and stuff. So I'm wondering, like, is there anywhere that you'd love to go in London or the UK? Oh, I love the UK. And when we did the Glastonbury show, I was just so, I felt so loved too. I, I felt back from them what I was trying to give out and it worked, didn't it? So it was really a, a special show. I was kind of nervous about doing the show. I was kind of apprehensive because I didn't know. I knew it was a festival that was very famous and I knew everybody loved to party and liked to drink, smoke their weed and whatever. And so I thought, well, they're not, they're not going to, you know, pay attention because my stuff is so many stories. And I thought, I didn't know if I would fit in that. And then when I went out there and I did, it was just made me feel so happy and good. And so I gave it everything I had. I think that was one of the reasons I was just so grateful that they were, you know, really appreciative of me. And so that was great. But anyway, getting back to the food, the thing <laughs> I love the most about uh, the UK, I order it always from, in room service, is the cream, the scones and ja the jellies and jams. And, oh, and, and, and I have the tea, the afternoon tea. Oh, uh, yeah. And I have it all brought to my room. And, Lord, I just I can just die over all of the the scones and that heavy cream or the, the cream that you have there that you spread all over that. And I usually gain, uh, and I try to stay in my show clothes because I don't have you know, time to change them. So it's really hard when I come there not to really put on the pounds just eating all that great butter and that cream and the milk. It's just so good. The cream is different, isn't it, to the, the States? Yes, it is because we can't get it here. Nothing. The scones are not the same. We can't get it like that. I wanted to try to make them, but it's not the same. We cannot get that kind of cream. We cannot get that kind of – it's just something about the soil, I guess, about the taste of the butter of the cream. Whatever, it's good and it's fattening. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Dolly, are you a great reader? Oh, I love to read. I've been... Uh, I've been reading since I was a little kid. That's always taken me anywhere I wanted to go. And I love books. I just order anything off of the New York Times bestseller list and, you know, just uh, anything from Oprah's and Reese Witherspoon's book club. But mostly I just swap books with, with, with friends. What inspired you to start the Imagination Library besides wanting to promote literacy? Well, I've always loved books, as I said, but my the reason I started that little program was because of my own father. My dad couldn't read and write, and he was from a very big, poor family because a lot of mountain people don't get a chance to go to school because usually their schools are so far away or there's a one-room school and you can't get there because of the weather if the roads are washed out or snowed out. And But most of them just have to go to work to help support a poor family. And my dad couldn't read and write, and that just always bothered him, and it always bothered me that that bothered him. And so I wanted to start something for, you know, for the little kids to learn to read early in their most impressionable years. So I started that little imagination library just for our home county and for my dad. Got daddy involved to help me with it. And then it started taking on. And the governor at that time, Governor Phil Bredesen, he got a hold of that little program. He thought it was great. So we went statewide with it in Tennessee. Next thing you know, it's in Canada. Next thing you know, it's in places all over the world, and by it's the in end the of, UK, yeah. I know. By the end of this year, we're we're hoping to have given out 150 million books. 150 million. Yeah, that's a lot of books. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, we've been going at it for 25 years, and my daddy got to live long enough to see it doing really well, and he took such pride in it, and I tried to keep him as involved in it as I could to make it feel like that I could not have done it without him, and I never would have thought to do it without him. So. He'd be right about that. There was this one that um, I came across the Imagination Library because a friend of mine uses it, and uh, and I borrowed a book, and it was uh, the train that can, I think it's called, or the train that oh, the could. Little, the little engine that could, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the, a, the train that goes up, and I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, and it was yeah. so brilliant. They're such brilliant stories. So yeah, thank you. But that's actually uh, that's the first book that's uh, that the kids get. Uh, from the Imagination Library from the start. And that's probably the one they'll always get because to me, that little book, it just builds your confidence. And I remember reading that myself as a child. And and I remember thinking that too. And I often say that I am a little engine that did. So I thought I could, I thought I could, and danged if I didn't. What are you reading at the moment? I'm reading a book called The Keeper of Lost Things. It's just a sweet little book about an old man that you know, found things and he would write on it where he found it and how he found it and he had this great house and then he left he left all his house to this girl that came to help him keep his things together but part of her deal was she had to find all those people you know to to return their lost things and it's a real interesting uh little book my favorite writer of all time is a southern writer named lee smith and she writes a lot of southern stories and mm. i really relate to that and she just has such a beautiful way of, uh, of of saying it when we initially had to lock down i found it really hard to read and i don't know why i just couldn't concentrate on anything i don't know whether you found that as well 
did, but I haven't read as much lately as I usually do yeah. because I needed to. I needed to do different things. I needed to do more writing. I needed to do more self-analysis and then be able to put that down and to really realize that that all the different feelings that other people were going through that weren't able to write those feelings down. So I felt that it was my duty and my job to try to, to do things that I could get out there in the world to kind of help lift the mood and the spirit and the burdens of, of everybody else. So you're right. I couldn't, con- I can't concentrate yeah. as, yeah. as much right now, even still uh, normally, because if you know, something's okay, you got your relaxing time, then you can go into that, that book but i've had this little book i've been reading on this for weeks normally i can read a book if it's good in a day a day and a half Mm. yeah i wanted to know because you were saying you were writing were you writing a lot of the album during lockdown that this christmas album and was that quite a nice escapism from what was going on it was and i I really felt like that it was just the perfect time because i've been wanting to do a christmas album for a Mm. while but it just timing is everything and and i've always been lucky you know, with timing. And so it's like, uh, it was a good time. But yes, I did write a lot of the, the new stuff while we were kind of, when this whole thing started. And so I wrote some of the, the original things that's on the album then. And I also have been writing a lot of other things. I just have to write what comes to me. I'm writing some things that don't have to do with anything other than just just an idea will come to me if it's a love song or if it's a happy song, if it's a sad song. I've just been, I think because I've been so emotional and being Mm. so in tune with people and their sorrows and just what's going on. And I'm a very emotional, sensitive person. So I just, I just write all the time. And it's been great therapy for me though. It's been a great release for me feeling like that I'm also being productive. So it's worked really well for me to be able to just express myself and hopefully express feelings for other people. You are the most prolific songwriter. I think I've read that you've written 3,000 songs. Well, I don't count them. I have at least that many. (laughs) At least. But they're also so beautiful. I mean, one of my favourites is I Will Always Love You. What, What prompted you to write that song? Was it about anything in particular? Yes, thank you for asking, because that has become probably... Well, two songs, Jolene and that one, have yeah. become the, the biggest song. Well, nine to five, they're, they're big. But I Will Always Love You is, is a very personal favorite of mine because it's a simple song that fits so many people about so many things. But for me, it was a song that I wrote that was uh, born out of a, a heartache that I was going through of trying to separate myself from a man that had given me a, a great opportunity uh, a man named Porter Wagoner, he had the number one uh, syndicated television show. And he gave me uh, my first really big break. I was in Nashville and I had a couple of chart records and was beginning to come in. And he had seen me, uh, you know, around the new girl in town. And so he had a vacant spot to fill the girl that had been on the show. She was leaving. So he put me on. And so I said I had no intentions or hadn't planned to come to Nashville to be part of someone else's group just to be the girl singer. So I said, I can stay for five years and then I'm going to go out on my own. It was too big of a job not to take. So we had several big duets and we really were so interwoven and we, we didn't always get along. And so I was wanting to leave and go out on my own because I couldn't stay there forever when my five years came up. 
And so he just was not having it. And he was pitching a fit and we were having a lot of trouble. And so he wouldn't listen to any, any reasoning from me why I needed to go and why now was the perfect time. It's to him, it was like, you're going to shatter the whole show and all. So I went home and said, you're not going to communicate with him in any other, any other way than what you do best, write a song. So I wrote the song, I Will Always Love You, took it back to his office and uh, said, Porter, sit down. I need to sing you a song. And so I started to sing the song and he started to cry. And he said, that's the best song you ever wrote. And you can go. Oh, wow. So that was kind of a, it was a sad thing. But, it, you know, we still had trouble after that. But it was still, uh, but years later, we mended all that. And, uh, you know, we became best of friends and worked together again and in many different ways. But that's that was born out of a very serious place, something I had and needed to say, and it did the trick. And did Whitney ask you if she could sing that song directly? The way that that came about, uh, when Whitney got a hold of the song, they, they had done the movie The Bodyguard, and they had chosen a different song uh, for that. And just before uh, they were starting to get ready to put it out, someone else covered that song that they were planning to use. So they didn't want to use that. Oh. So they were looking for another song. And uh, uh, Kevin Costner and his uh, girl in his office, uh, they knew about my song. And uh, one of them said, well, what about Dolly Parton's song? I will always love you. I've always loved that song. It's perfect. So then they asked me if they could use it. And I said, yes, but uh, no, no matter what, make sure they use that last verse because I recited that verse and other people that had recorded it left that out altogether. I said, it's in the same melody as the other verses. So make sure if you use it to, uh, you know, to make that part of it. And so I never heard anything more about it. They had my permission to do it. And then I was heading home from my, my office one day and I had the radio on and I heard that sound, you know, if I should stay and it's like, and it rang a bell, but it didn't, oh you know, it wasn't, goodness. it's like she was kind of talking that. And <laughs> then it went into like the, uh, and I about died. I thought my heart was going to stop. I about wrecked and I just kind of pulled off to like to hear it. And it was the most overwhelming over. I mean, it was just, uh, just such an overwhelming feeling. I've never had that before nor since with a song. When my first little record played on the radio, I about killed myself jumping off the cabinet to get to that. But other than that, this was like such a big thing. To hear my little song done in such a big fashion like that, it was just, it just, just really overwhelmed me. And I cried and I laughed and I thought, oh, oh my. Oh. I mean, it's so great. She did such a great job on that. She did. Is it hard because you have, I mean, you're so successful and you are so loved and you have had so much success. I mean, do you still get the same buzz that you got when you were younger and you starting out or is it kind of a different kind of feeling now? No, I, I love to write songs. I love to sing songs. I love the music business. I love doing the, the business end of the music business. I love the creative part. This is who I am. This is mm. a way of with me it's just it's just who I am it was what I feel I was born to do and I still get as excited now 
when things happen. If I start writing a good song, I'm as excited about that as when I started years ago. Even more excited now because I feel like I can get more done with it, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm popular. When you write when you're younger, you're thinking, oh, I hope somebody likes it well enough to record it and, and all that. But no, I, I get excited about every single award. Anytime I'm recognized or acknowledged for something, it, it means a lot. I don't work for awards as much as I work for the rewards because it's very rewarding to me, you know, to just see things happen and to make things happen. Dolly, I mean, well, you're amazing, but I do need to know, do you think you've got good table manners? I feel like you must. I don't know that I have. I have good table manners. Mm. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about the, the table, you know, like how to, which dish to use, which fork and spoon. I still go through that because growing up like we did, you know, we never eaten out in a in a restaurant. And I sort of like my daddy, you get embarrassed to ask somebody after so, you know, because he couldn't read and write, he wasn't going to do it. So I kind of feel that way. So I just try to watch people if I'm out somewhere. But yeah, I, I'm certainly not, you know, I'm not a pig you know, at, at the table. But I don't know what you girls do, probably, because you're not as proper as the English. How did your parents keep track on 12 children and to make sure they all had their elbows off the table and were holding their knife the and fork? The grown kids had a fork and the little kids had a spoon. <laughs> and, you know, we had... <laughs> it was a whole different thing back then. I don't think anybody's thinking about who put elbows on the table. Could you all sit down at one table? Yeah, yeah, we did. Did you have a very big table? We did have a big table that my daddy built. And we had a bench. We had like a church bench on the backside. <laughs> and the little kids would stand up on that bench to eat. And the oh. other, you know, the bigger ones had, uh, you know, around the table. But seriously, oh. we didn't have matching dishes. We didn't have, sil- you know, silverware drawers. I mean, they weren't, you're talking about country people here. So, but we were not, uh, I mean, we weren't. We certainly, you know, we had to mind our manners as far as we're, we're eating now. We're not going to be, you know, doing this or, or doing that. But we didn't, uh, you know, it's a whole different thing when you're and how you grow up. But yeah. for now, uh, you know, I still kind of watch people on each side of me, you know, what they're using. Should I use this? I don't think you need to. <laughs> but I don't worry about it anymore. I figure, you know, they don't like it. They can move to the next table. Do you like getting glammed up to go out for dinner or to any of these ceremonies? You know, one of the most, uh, my favorite things in the world to do is to dress up really fancy, really pretty, and go out to the best restaurant in Nashville, in California, in New York, to where, and I love that. I love being in that surrounding that's just one yeah. of my favorite things. And I've missed that a lot during this lockdown that you can't go anywhere. You can't go anywhere, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And I, I really missed that a lot, dressing up and going out to dinner and using bad table manners. <laughs> um, I wanted to know, like, because you're, we're all having to cook so much and you like cooking, Is there, do you listen to music when you're cooking? Well, actually, when I, I'm always so involved in what I'm doing. I do some of my best writing and my best cooking at the same time. I always like... I get very creative. The more creative I am with my songs, the better my food's going to taste and vice versa. So I usually, I don't listen to radio much because I'm so involved in either a project I need to do or I just like the peace and quiet or I just work on my own thing. So, but at Christmas though, I play everybody's Christmas albums that I like 
and hopefully this year I'll have one that other people will, you know, enjoy listening to while they cook. We ask everybody this question, but um, as a singer, I don't particularly enjoy doing karaoke. I just kind of find it a bit, I feel like it's for my friends that aren't singers. But we have to ask you what your karaoke song is. If you do like karaoke, what is it? I don't necessarily get a chance to do that because I don't go out where they have that. But I can take great pride in the fact that I have several songs on the karaoke <laughs> list. Yeah, yeah a 95, a big one, Jolene, a big one. I Will Always Love You is a real big one. So I have several songs uh, that other people like to sing and I hear more about how they make fools of themselves singing my songs. But I love that kind of stuff, though. My kids, my little nieces and nephews, they have their little karaoke machines. And when we're together, we sing along with stuff. But I don't go out to do it. Have they ever tried your songs? Oh, yeah. They love my songs anyway. They know all my songs by heart. (laughs) When you go, do you do line dancing? No, I never did do that. I I don't really go out to the clubs like that. I really I take pride in, in, in other people doing line dancing, like my song, Why'd You Come In Here Looking Like That, was a really big popular song <clears throat> with the line dancers. Oh, yes, I love that song. So, no, I don't, I don't go out to clubs. I, I don't really. If I'm around home, I like to stay home. But uh, I'm not much of a dancer anyway. Uh, I just don't have that type of rhythm. We never did do much of that. Oh, there's there's always that stuff that you do when you're having your, your jamborees and your pie suppers and your... Little things. Everybody dances, but there's no real particular type of dancing. We never did it. Like it wasn't structured. Anybody just get up and just move and be happy doing it. Um, Dolly, I was going to say I really enjoyed Dolly Parton's America, which is this amazing podcast that you were involved in, and there was really candid interviews with you on it. And it was, it, I mean, it was very, it was incredibly interesting. Um, and was that kind of your first foray into podcasts? And yes, yeah, yes, it was. In fact, the uh, the guy that did that, Jad Boomerang, he's uh, he's just wonderful. He has that a huge podcast. He goes out to millions of people, as you know, weekly. But his father is one of my doctors in Nashville at Vanderbilt, and uh, I, I it came about through him I didn't even know his son was even in the business I've known him for years he never mentioned it and then one day he said well you know my son dad you know has a podcast and he'd love to interview you and I said well sure so it because of that that's how I got to know him and then I got to know dad and he was absolutely fantastic Mm. he won you know several awards on, on that it's a phenomenal podcast series it's so substantial I mean I found the bit about listening about a Nelson Mandela and um in in Robin Island and Jolene coming over the tannoys and that kind of how Jolene's very I mean Jolene's huge everywhere but that song became this kind of anthem for um the prisoners on Robin Island I mean all this stuff I mean you must have discovered things too through this podcast I have to honestly tell you, I learned more about myself through that than I knew my whole career. Honestly, I didn't know. But you know, Dad did not know me that well until he started working on this podcast. He's such a thorough person. He did it, but he did all that research. And it was just amazing. I was I was just floored with all the, the stuff that he had, had gathered up. But he should have won an award just for his own hard work without me. But uh, I was very, very proud for him and of myself mm. and of that whole situation. So that that was really well done. 
Dolly, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. This is honestly a pinch yourself <laughs> moment for us. And I feel like Christmas has come early. And I'm so thankful for you doing this when you are probably very, very busy doing promotion for this record. And it's been so lovely to talk to you. And thank you. And um, I just want to know what's next. You know, the, the Christmas record is out now. Um, and then are you doing any more acting? I mean, I'm sure you're writing songs left, right and centre. You've got an autobiography. Has it, is it coming out soon? Am I right in thinking that? Oh, are you talking about the Song Teller book? That has yes, Song Teller book. I, yes. Yeah, that's actually that's out now. Okay. And that's uh, that's yeah, that's called Songteller, and it's got 170 some songs I've written and stories about them. But I'm going to be doing more things. It's like so hard to know what's going to come next year. I've been working on my life story as a musical, and so oh, that's wow. going to be something that I'm hoping to get uh, on his feet at some point in time. And I've just si- signed a new branding deal where I'm going to have actually have my own uh, cosmetics and my own perfume and that sort of stuff. So. Uh, as I've often said, I wake up with new dreams every day, and I've uh, hopefully I'll live long enough to uh, see the rest of them come true. But I've been very blessed. If I died tomorrow, I can honestly say that I've had a great life, a wonderful life, and I couldn't ask for more. But of course, knowing me, there's going to be more if I keep living. So <laughs> there's going to be more. More is more with me. And I tried to be professional. I don't think I said one swear word. I did really well. Um, Dolly Parton on Table Manners talking about chicken and dumplings and gravy. Listening to Whitney Houston in the car for the first time and scones. Scones. Cream. She likes our cream. Yeah, scones and cream. I love her. She is the biggest pro. She is like beyond. I could learn a thing or two. She was so warm, Jessie. She was so warm. She was just so warm and and kind of interested and interesting. It doesn't surprise me she's this huge philanthropist because she really likes people and cares about them. The record has Billy Ray Cyrus on, Miley Cyrus, Michael Bublé, her brother, Randy, Jimmy Fallon's on it. I mean, she's just like, you'd want to be on a Dolly Parton record, wouldn't you, singing with her? You'd want to just yeah, spend more time with her. I could have done another hour. Jessie, I did want to try and get a word in to see if you could play the part of Dolly, her life story, Ooh, the musical. I don't think I've got the chest. Little tall <laughs> And darling. the flat chest may just not do it, <laughs> yeah. do you think? And not glamorous enough at all. No. I just had my nails done. She plays the guitar with those acrylic nails and I've got little stumps. Does she play that funny thing as well that they play, like the xylophone thing? She plays everything. She's so talented. Anyway, Dolly Parton, on table manners, that just happened. Can I just mention one thing? What? It was going to be my Soissant Nerf party next week. And I can't bloody have it. I'm sorry about that, Mum. But you just did get to speak to Dolly Parton instead. I did speak to Dolly Parton. Thank you for listening. This has been a bit of a blur to me, I'm not going to lie. We just had Dolly Parton on Table Manners and I can't speak, so... I didn't actually know what to say. It was kind of just sit looking at her with a Christmas tree. She looked like the sexiest Mrs Claus I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, thank you for listening to Table Manners. Thank you, Dolly Parton, for taking a chance on two enthusiastic women on Zoom.
Table Manners is produced by Alice Williams. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 